welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichols. It's our show. We've got another case study Sunday, and we are joined by financial advisor and property investor, Kathy Faulkner. Kathy, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Ed and Andrew. So let's get this show on the road. Paint us a picture of this investor's life for us. Who are they? What sort of stage of life are they in? What industry are they in? All the, all the interesting stuff to get us started. Well, they're a couple, let's call them George and Jen. They're mm-hmm. in their late 30s with two children, age six and three, living in Auckland. He's an RT and she's in a medical professional, both on good incomes. And they purchase really well with their owner-occupier and have been doing it up over the last couple of years. When did they buy their owner-occupier? In 2017. Oh, and they got some good equity in that? Yeah, they have. Yeah, they've done really well with that. Okay. So they're ready to go. So just tell me what sort of income they're on, Cathy. They're on about a 300,000 joint household income. Oh, great. Really strong income. Very strong incomes. And let me ask you this. What did they want to achieve? What were their ambitions? Why, Why are they wanting to invest in property? So they really wanted to have a great retirement. They were keen to retire early than 65. And they really wanted to have the ability to travel in those golden years and to enjoy the finer things in life. They didn't want to have to sacrifice too much as they got older. And one of the things they kept on saying was protecting their wealth against inflation. And also in a short-term goal was looking to move to another area in about eight years' time to get into another school zone. Cool. So let's put this into numbers then. What did they need in terms of a monetary value to achieve their goals? They wanted 175000 in 25 years' time. So that meant a debt-free investments of $4.3 million required. Now, refresh our memory, are we using the nest egg or the golden goose? We were going for the golden goose strategy. Right, so, so an income forever. That's correct. Now, what's interesting here, Cathy, is that they currently earn just shy of 300k, great household income, by the way, and they want to retire on 175 by the time they step away from work. So how did they figure out that they were willing to take such a large step down in income? Well, she was wanting to reduce her hours anyway uh, as they went along, and they knew that they weren't going to have a mortgage anymore by that stage. So they were just really wanting to, by that stage, have paid off their mortgage, have put aside some savings, but be able to have that kind of wealth that is going to generate in time over that 25-year period. And I guess 175 k a year before tax is still a sizable sort of income. It's giving you some flexibility in terms of lifestyle. Oh, it's huge. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, that is uh, what we would call the affluent lifestyle. That would put them in the top 15% of over 65s by the time they reach that level of income. So really good. But it's interesting. They're currently on 300 k But you're right. Once they hit that retirement or step away from working, you'd expect that they would have paid that off. They're not going to have childcare costs. There's going to be some other costs they're not going to have to have like travelling to work or parking in the inner city. Kiwi saver. Inner city parking in Auckland's 100000 a year on its own. Tough crowd. So typically at this stage, Cathy, they've got their goal, they've got their broader whys around wanting to retire early, those kinds of things, but usually people are doing something to achieve that goal already, whether it's just KiwiSaver or a wee savings account, wee shares account. So walk us through, they've got this big ambitious goal, they've got to create over $4 billion worth of debt-free assets in today's money. What were they already doing to try and get there? Well, this was not as simple as it seems. So they had actually wanted to come and see me in person, as George had warned me that his wife, Jen, was very sceptical about this whole property situation. 
And once I sat down with him, I understood why. Because over a year ago, George had come to see another property partner who had showed him some excellent properties. But George had found another property directly with a developer and wanted the property partner to compare that one with our recommendations. And our recommendations were Christchurch Townhouse due to complete in quarter two, 2022, which it is now actually just completed and the tenants are moving in this week. The other property our property partner showed was a house in Mangari, which a three-bed townhouse, which on the pre-launch price was 840, where similar units have been launched earlier this year for 1 million. And these are due to complete in quarter two, 2023. And that development is on track and those capital gains have already been quite significant. Now, the property George was looking at was 900000 in Auckland and due to settle in June 2022. So George decided that since he was more familiar with the area, it was near close to him and it was his own choice, he went with that and put the deposit down and went unconditional. So every week he and his wife would drive past. It is now July and they haven't broken ground yet. He received communication to say that it was going to be completed in November 2022. So it's understandable that Jen was a bit hesitant. Ah, okay. So that's the reason why she was a bit sceptical because they'd already put something under contract and it sounds like it was a bit of a rubbish experience with the property not actually getting built as yet or not seeing the progress that they were expecting to see. So this was one that they bought direct. Should we ask her it was? Name no? and shame. Who was Name it? Name and shame. Yes, it was DDL, uh, but there's still more news to come. Okay, uh, okay. so DDL, just for context, if, if any listeners of the show who haven't been following, this is, was it the Ormiston company that bought through, the one that has gone through into liquidation? Yes, Ugh. so this meeting that we had with the investor was before the news broke. So at this point in time, the investor had just been driving past, nothing had been happening, they'd only been notified that the development had been pushed out. That's when they came to see me. Right. And look, this really goes to the point of it's not just about the numbers when you buy a property, it's as much about the developer. Because if the developer can't build the thing for the amount they say they're going to, doesn't matter how good the numbers are, you're never going to get it. That's correct. So Ed, to answer your question about what were they doing already, well, they were hopefully going to be having a wonderful property in Auckland, $900,000 property. And they also did have $16,000 worth of shares which they are contributing $50 a week to. So at that time, they were 43% of their way towards reaching their goals, assuming that that property, which was under contract, was going to be built. Now, in this case, let's stick into this a little more. Do you know the details of whether they expect that property to finish? Because it's material in terms of whether they include that within their plan or not. Well, that's exactly it. So what happened then is, is that we went through the process of doing the wealth plan. So they had a 57% gap, which is... Two and a half million dollars equates to, which would be the same as trying to save a hundred thousand dollars a year. There's like even on your even on that good income, like say, say the three hundred thousand is two hundred and twenty-five after tax, that's like half of their take-home pay. That's right. So we realized that look, they need to do something. So what we did is, is that we worked out a strategy, the golden goose strategy, with them purchasing three properties over the next six years, one now and then one space three years apart. And they would achieve 109% of their goal, resulting in $190,000 income in 25 years. And it's worth just pointing out what these assumptions are based on, because I was just answering some questions on the last case study Sunday we did with you, Andrew, on the YouTube. Now, just to go through the numbers of the projections that we use here, obviously, what's the strategy? It's you buy some properties, they increase in value over time, you project what that's going to be using relatively conservative growth rates. At the end of that, 
sell down those properties, take the money from the growth properties and invest in higher yielding properties that give cash flow. Now, based on that, we target a 4% net yield. By that, we mean once you rent out that property, you pay your rates, you pay your insurance, you pay your maintenance, you pay your property manager, 4% of the asset value drops out the bottom. That provides you that passive income. So saying in another way, a million dollars worth of debt-free assets, 40k worth of passive income on an ongoing basis, then you get capital appreciation, you get rental increases, you know, somewhere between 3 and 5% depending on the year fluctuation in there. And that's what provides the passive income. So that's what these guys would be after. What I love about that strategy is not only do you have an inflation adjusted income, but you've got something to leave your kids. What do you care about those guys for? What have they ever, <laughs> what have they ever done for you? Well, nothing so far. At four days it's old. It's only little. So, Kathy, if, if they're kicking off their plan, they must have invested in something. Have they, have they purchased another property that's hopefully going a bit better for them? Yes, that's right. So the best option for them was a two-bed, one-and-a-half-bath townhouse with a car park in Addington, a really great suburb in Christchurch. The development is all sold out already with all purchases have gone unconditional and the pre-allocated title numbers have already been given, which means that the purchasers can get their finance secured. This first property closes their gap by 23% and the property is due for completion early 2023 and is well on track. Now, Andrew, just walk us through. Why is the pre-allocated titles a big thing? Because if we don't explain it... I was just writing that on my hand. So look, for those investors that say, I'm really worried that I'm not going to be able to get finance at completion in 12 months' time because life might change, the banking rules might change. So you can get an approval for up to 12 months. If you have a pre-allocated title number, you can also order the loan documents. Now, that means that your loan documents can go to your lawyers, you can sign them off, the deal is done, and you you can stretch out that up to 12 months approval to another 12 or even 24 months, I think, with one of the banks. So that's something to talk to your broker about. We won't go too much into it today because you'll all get bored and fall asleep. But yeah, basically, you can actually secure your finance if you've got a pre-allocated title number. And how did they decide, Kathy? this is important, how did they decide that the right option for them was a two-bed, one-and-a-half bathroom townhouse in Addington and Christchurch? How they decided was due to affordability. They knew that they wanted to get the best property possible for the amount that they could at the time, because obviously they still at this point had their funds allocated to this other property. So they wanted to be sure that they were going to hit the mark with this pre-vetted property. So this area provided them with better security and knowing that they felt comfortable about the area, the developer, and also the numbers worked. And Kathy, here's a good question. When people invest in property, it can be a little bit challenging and it's really interesting. Well, I find it's really interesting when investors kind of think, oh, you know, I can't be bothered with this. It's all about hard. We're willing to go to work and work for 40 hours a week, which in my experience is quite hard as well. Did these guys have any hurdles that they had to jump through? Was there any hard stuff? Yeah, there was really because whilst George and Jen were in their due diligence period, the news that every investor dreads hit the media Auckland developer goes into liquidation. So now you can imagine how awful to hear that very news that Jen was worried about, no property at the end of the day, and back to square one with their plans. 
So this news effectively took them from being 43% of the way there to less than 2% of the way there for their goals. And so they just had their shares alone. Now, many people would just throw their hands in the air and say that it's just too hard and they're not going to go through with this new property. But if anything, George and Jen picked themselves up and are now even more determined. They confirmed on our OPA's recommended property. They're already in discussions with the solicitor about the status of that Auckland property. And they are now ready to commit to their next investment because as soon as they can get out of that Auckland property, they are going to fast track their purchasing journey with us. And again, you know, because it's my responsibility to vet the developers and because I have to deal with anything when it goes wrong, it's such an important part to get that right. And I think that's, you know, if listeners of the show are going out there and doing it themselves, you do want to be certain that the developer that you're buying through has got substance. That's right. That's right. And yeah, and I feel that that was also one of the big reasons why they went with that Addington property is they could see from the history that that developer had developed fantastic properties before. They were all settled on time and they felt very confident with the process as well going through us as that extra comfort. Well, I think there was platform homes for memory. Is that right? Yes, platform yeah. residential, so, that's so, right. So yeah, the, those guys have got lots of cash. They do their funding through banks. So if you can get funding through banks, then you, you're, you're pretty well secured because banks are pretty conservative So and a great developer. That's right, yeah. And it's also just the fact that they didn't stop, that they carried on. They didn't let these curveballs get in the way and that they carried on acting because at the end of the day, that's the difference between those who are successful and those who are still sitting on their hands is – It's the action that is required. And look, we're going to hear more of these stories about developers going under. That has to be your reason to invest, not your reason not to invest, unless you want to be in the same place in 20 years as you are today. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to put a plan together like George and Jen in today's episode, then here's what you want to do. What about your phone? Send us a wee text. Text the word plan to 5522. And I'll tell you what, we'll give you a buzz. Make sure it's the right fit for you. You can get exactly the same sort of thing that George and Jen received. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholson. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most after you sell in the property market. Until next time.